0: All right. What's up, everyone? This is Doug Kide on Pat's chat podcast with Michael Hurley. Uh, So that was probably the most shocking Patriots loss of the Bill Belichick era. The only other one that would come close would be the game in Miami in 2019. But I think I was left even more flummoxed and confused by this one. Uh, Where's this one rank for you?
1: Yeah, it's it's that one. It's number one because... With the, can you hear me? Okay, by the way, I'm I'm echoing yes. in my own head. Okay, <laughs> yes. um, the thing with the Miami Miracle is like, you're expecting Hill Mary. You put Gronk back there. Obviously, they throw underneath, but it's still an offense against the defense, needing a desperation play, knowing that they're going to try to be something. I think if I were the odds makers, the chances of losing that Miami Miracle play was like one percent. The chances of losing when you run an inside draw is zero point zero percent. It's playing for overtime, and it's just. One issue of Stevenson trying to do something compounded by Myers, throwing the football to of the middle of the football field is something nobody's ever seen before. It looked like little giants in just a horrific, horrific spot to be doing that. So you can't, you couldn't have lost in that situation and they managed to do it. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you, you hate to play the blame game on these games, but you kind of have to. And, I've been really weighing back and forth whether Ramondre Stevenson is more to blame for this one or Jacoby Myers. And I think that I do blame Jacoby Myers more, even though Ramondre Stevenson flipping it back to Jacoby Myers, like set off the idea clearly in Jacoby Myers head of like, Oh, so we're doing this. This is what the plan is going to be now going forward. But I mean, Jacoby Myers had time to think between getting the ball from Ramondre Stevenson running backwards a few yards, and then just trying to huck it to midfield to Mac Jones. And at some point within that time span, he should have been thinking like, what's the ideal situation if Mac Jones catches this ball? Because then there's still yeah. many, yeah. many, <laughs> many yards away. yards away from the end zone with no one behind Mac Jones either. And Mac Jones runs like a 4 8 40-yard dash. Mac and Jones can't had r-
1: just run a third and 10 <laughs> right. naked bootleg to nowhere.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that I do have to blame Jacoby Myers more, uh, the clip that you can see of the replay of Matt Patricia clapping after Ramondre Stevenson has lettered the ball back to Jacoby Myers a little bit damning. I still certainly don't think that this was the plan going into the play, but I also think that in his head, even he was like, Oh wow, we got a lot more yards on this draw than I anticipated. And now He's flipped the ball back to Jacoby Myers and now like, oh man, we might actually have a chance to win this game. But the biggest question to me, because you could even throw Matt Patricia and this as well in Bill Belichick. Why are you running a draw in the first place in that situation? The Raiders didn't have a timeout. Just kneel on the ball. Like if the intention is to drain the clock anyway, do the safest possible thing and don't even give the ball to anyone. Right. Am I, am I like, right? No. No, take a there? knee.
1: Yeah. There's no way a draw is going to win you the game. There's no way a draw is going to result in a defensive penalty. Uh, there's there's nothing to gain from that. At least a deep shot, you might get you know a, a right. defensive hold. Even still, you're getting five yards. Maybe in a miracle situation, you get the pi. But it 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 is multi layered. I do put it on Myers for chucking the ball to the middle of the field. I think that because as it's happening, it kind of developed a little slowly because. The Raiders were playing off. They weren't really attacking Stevenson. They were waiting for him to get there. And as he started going back in my head, I'm like, I mean, you're kind of playing with fire here. You could lose the game if they pick up the fumble and run it back, but you're not really thinking it's on the table. And in that moment, I'm thinking that Myers is just, this is what the kids say, yeeting it, yeeting it to check to them, to nobody. And like you mentioned, the benefit of Mac Jones, potentially catching that ball is less than zero. It's, there's no way he's getting through 11 defenders over 50 yards or even getting forward enough to lateral it back to who? Cole Strange? Like, there right. was no way that that was going to work. It was the worst football decision I've ever seen. But Myers is to blame. But, you know, to the point, Bill Belichick was at, was asked point blank, was there a coaching point before the snap not to do that? And he didn't say yes. He said, you know, we got to be better. And in his head, he's probably like, I shouldn't have to say that. Right. Right but it's football. And when you're known for being detail oriented and focused on every detail and buttoning everything up, you have to button everything up. And maybe you have to tell guys like, don't do anything stupid. We're in overtime right now. If it's not there, we're in overtime.
0: Coin football. And it does go back to like, why are you handing off the ball in general there? Why are you running a draw play at all there? Because I mean, stupid things can happen. Like Ramondre Stevenson could have fumbled the ball and the same thing could have happened. I feel like, I would love to have seen like an in play win probability where it's like right before that play happens, after the handoff, after the initial lateral, even like as the ball is traveling in the air to Mac Jones, after Chandler Jones catches the ball and before Mac Jones attempts to tackle him, which, by the way, so Jacoby Myers took blame after the game for Throwing the ball to Mac Jones. Stevenson Mac Jones, took blame. Yep, Mac Jones, Mac took, Jones blame. took blame for not being able to tackle Chandler Jones. Which so shame on him. Since.
1: Shame on him. Like <laughs> yeah. tackle Chandler Jones, Mac Jones. What are you not 6'5, 230? You can't tackle Chandler Jones. What is this? Garbage. I think you
0: could do some some Sunday night quarterbacking on that one where like maybe just like dive at his at his thighs No, rather than, like no like try. He, he tried.
1: It, it but, played out exactly like you would think it would.
0: I I know that it's a lot easier to blame coaches and blame Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia and all these different things for losses over players. But even then, like Bill Belichick didn't take the blame after the game. He just said that mistakes were made, didn't specify who made the mistakes. I think that his phrasing of that insinuates that it was players who made the mistake. And like you said, I mean, it's a fair question to ask him, like if the point was made before the play, like not to lateral the ball. I'm kind of on his side of like, you probably don't have to say that. You probably shouldn't have to say that. But it's a fair question. And I think that this all really just goes back to, yeah, you expect a Patriots to be much more disciplined than this. They're usually the best coach players in the NFL. And clearly, like, two things went wrong on this play where Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers both thought that this would be a good idea in a tied game where the Patriots were dominating for the entire second half to put the ball in harm's way there.
1: But you say that you say, usually they are that team. And we both know, and a lot of people know that they haven't been that team for three years. They have not been in the post Tom Brady era. I don't know that Brady was the guy making it all happen or anything. I'm not saying that, but they have been the team committing dumb penalties, making bad mistakes, managing their timeouts poorly, managing the clock poorly. We've seen it in the Minnesota game, in the Buffalo game. Uh, did they do it last week? I, I can't remember, but they did it. They certainly did it, burning two timeouts from the two-yard line and then committing a procedure penalty on the fourth down try. Like, they are not that team. And you even heard in the Bills game, uh, this is my big takeaway, you heard in the Bills game two weeks ago, Al Michael saying, like, wow, very uncharacteristic of the Patriots to, to misuse their time. And it's like, it is now characteristic. It really is. And this maybe is the watershed moment where the rest of the country and the rest of the general football viewing public catches up to what we have known here, which is that those have become the norm and they have become the team that makes mistakes that we used to make fun of every week. You know, like there was four to five instances every week. Where we are like, this is why the Bengals lost to the Patriots. Isn't that funny? And now it's happening to the Patriots, whether it's tonight, it's not just the last play. It's the, the bungling of a first and goal from the two Doug, do you know what the Raiders goal-to-goal defense was going into this game? 100%. 100%. Every single time. What are we in? Week 16. It's Christmas. 15th, every single yes, yeah. time. Shut up, Doug, with your facts, <laughs> nerd. Uh, every single time an opponent had a goal to go, they scored a touchdown against the Raiders. And the Patriots had it on the two. And they didn't get it in. They had, They took three chances. They failed to even try their fourth chance. And they had to kick a field goal. That was one. The fake punt, again, special teams last year, three block punts they allowed. They they used to always block those punts and get those bonus points. Now they're giving them up. Without without those two plays, you're not talking about a close game at the end of the game. You're not talking about Keelan Cole's foot, which we'll probably spend three to four hours on in, in a little <laughs> bit. And you're not talking about a Jacoby Myers pitch to Chandler Jones. You're just, these things add up and they're not good enough to overcome them at all. And I think everyone can now realize this is more what the Patriots are and what they used to be is long ago in the past.
0: Yeah. That, that goal to go situation where, I mean, not only, so they got down to the two yard line on the defensive pass interference penalty. And then Ramondre Stevenson ran at one mm-hmm. yard. So they were at the one. I would have done it there. again. I
1: would have kept and, that.
0: Yeah. D- do that. Sneak the ball with Mac Jones. Like, well,
1: actually, wait, wait. The I, not, not to Kevin cut you Harris. off, not to cut you off. But whatever you want to do, have a plan and Matt Patricia is right. not thinking ahead they have to call timeout before well they snap that's... the ball and then they have to call time out before fourth down he's not thinking about his fourth down play call on third down, which to me is malpractice and which to me is we're said a few weeks or like a few episodes ago we blame you Bill Belichick. We have to blame you, Bill Belichick because your guy
0: can't do it well, yeah, and that's the issue is that you'd think that fifteen weeks into the season these things would have been ironed out or, you would think that if things aren't ironed out, that you pivot to a different plan and that you no longer have the guy who's never been an offensive play caller still attempting to do this. The issue is that you don't have anyone on staff other than Bill Belichick who has been an offensive play caller. But even at that point, pivot to Bill Belichick, pivot to someone who might be able to figure this out faster, who's actually been on the offensive side of the ball longer, someone like Nick Cayley or something. But clearly there's an issue for the Patriots with getting a play call in on time getting everyone set and that's not like Mac Jones screwing this up I don't think it's the offensive line I don't think it's the the wide receivers like there's very clearly an issue with getting things done on time where you do have to keep taking delay of game penalty delay of game penalties you do have to keep taking timeouts and obviously it happened on the on the punt as well so maybe this isn't simply a Matt Patricia issue, but it's a coaching issue in general of Cam Acord can't do the same thing before a punt. And you've got a, the long snapper snapping the ball before everyone's set and ready to block everyone. So, I mean, I think that that's the issue that I have with people who want to blame players, want to blame Mac Jones, want to blame like the, the execution, whatever it is. This all just boils down to coaching guys, not being prepared for situations guys, not even being prepared to snap the ball guys, not being prepared to not lateral the ball. And yeah, I mean that, that situation on the goal line was the perfect example of it where like clearly Matt, Patricia, like you said, you need to have a plan. You need to know what your play calls are going to be two, three play calls in front of you. And that's clearly not happening. If all these issues are still presenting themselves at week 15.
1: And you come out of that timeout, which cost them a, a touchdown, which Bill Belichick kind of downplayed by saying, well, the whistle blew before the snap. I'm pretty sure everyone was still playing uh, when that touchdown was scored. But you come out of that timeout and throw a slant to Aguilar, like that's it, – it's – I'm not going to say it's a low percentage play, but for what this offense is and for how Ramondre Stevenson was unstoppable, to to do that is perplexing. And then you score on the on the – QB sneak which is run poorly because they snap it too quickly before everyone's set and it's just uh, we want to talk about the blame game or whatever. I do think unlike some previous games this year when the offense stunk Mac Jones was a part of it tonight. I thought he was bad. He was bad. Um, We spoke to soon last,
0: last week when we said the well, Mac Jones had been playing better. Like, obviously well he, had, he been. had been playing better, but like this was a, a huge setback for him. I thought
1: it started on the first drive. He threw an out to Thornton uh, and completely missed. Then he threw an out to Myers, the same exact spot and missed badly. He threw Thornton out of bounds on that one, mm-hmm. you know, intermediate pass to the left side, which was the second week in a row he's thrown a receiver out of bounds over there. Um, He missed Myers on a deep shot, overthrew him when he was wide open, yep. uh, when you just need to drop it into an area and let the guy catch it. Um, he did hit the one late, uh, which was enough, should have been enough to win the game, had the defense not, not gone in. But I do think this was a game where, like, I know the hounds are out and, like, the zappy zealots are all over the place with their fangs ready to pounce. Like, this was an opportunity for them to be like, the quarterback was a problem.
0: I also think that, clearly there's dysfunction. And this is one of those Mm -hmm. times where I'd like someone to take like a, a, honesty pill in Foxborough and say like, okay, so what is causing there to be an issue with getting the play into the quarterback on time, the quarterback telling his teammates, breaking the huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage and getting everything done on time. Because if it's not Matt, Patricia, getting the play call on time. If it's like some sort of debate between Mac Jones and Matt Patricia, if there's like, if the play calls are too complex, whatever it is, like someone is to blame here and there should be a way to fix this at this point. And if that means benching Mac Jones for Bailey's Zappi and everything gets fixed, then like that's a solution just keeping things as they are right now and having this dysfunction going on over and over again like it, there, there's no solution here there's no fix they're not even trying to fix things and like i said i mean not to repeat myself but like it's week 15 at this point if you're still ironing out the issues then you should have made a change five six seven weeks ago whatever it is um did, did you want to talk about the keelan cole play all right or did you want to well, uh, are we <laughs> not past this
1: Let's get to that because I think yeah. it's important to, but I think we should finish up what we're blaming. I think the the Raiders, I had the stats uh, on my my Twitter feed, which is a shameful thing to ever talk about. But uh, the, the, the Raiders had six drives in the second half and had a grand total of, I want to say, 35 yards. They yeah. punted five times and had a pick six on one. They're mm-hmm. facing a fourth and 10. Everything is working defensively. And then the Patriots change what they're doing. They back off. They give up 20-yard chunks. They give up 20-yard chunks, and it it opens the opportunity for the Keelan Cole play to even come into play, where if you do exactly what you're doing, you're probably going to get your stop because you've been doing it for an right. entire half of football. Really, the majority of the game, there was really one bad drive prior to that, the 82-yard drive. Uh, but, but other than that, the defense had been dominating. The, offense, the Raiders' offensive line couldn't protect Carr the the secondary was doing surprisingly well uh, yeah. considering the talent they were going against and considering they were down two cornerbacks and they, they softened up and you know, it's like the old stupid cliche that prevent defense prevents you from winning. But like it really did. And I, I don't get that. Why you don't turn the heat up on fourth and 10 and try to just, just win the game on defense and leave it out of anyone else's hands.
0: Yeah. I mean the, the Raiders started that drive with two minutes and 11 seconds left on the clock. So I think that, that probably was the Patriots on defense, not trusting that Derek Carr, Josh McDaniels and that are, their offense could move the ball down the field in that span of time. And that they were just trying to drain the clock on the Raiders. Um, the Raiders only had, I don't think they had any timeouts at that point too. So they all they had them- to work with was the two point, it was the two minute warning. So I think that, yeah, that was the intention was initially like, let's just have them drain down the clock excuse me um you're excused and 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 just like have them beat themselves and that was working i mean they started the drive with three incomplete passes and then all of a sudden Derek carr like turns in tom brady out there and moves the ball down the field Um, one of those passes though
1: we should say darren waller had a pbu against uh, Devontae Adams so
0: <laughs> yes that is fair uh, De- yeah Devontae Adams and Darren Waller decided to run routes to the exact <laughs> same spot on the field uh when Derek Carr was targeting the but pass and I, I... Derek Carr was very mad at Darren Waller <laughs> for breaking up that pass to Devontae Adams
1: um but I mentioned earlier and I think this should be noted too you didn't score on first and goal from the two against the team that had allowed 100% of opponents on goal to go to score and you also allowed a game-tying drive to the biggest choke artists in the NFL this year, a team that had already blown four, dou- four double digit halftime yep. leads They're in the process of blowing a fifth. That's the team that you blew it to. I think you have to take that into account as like, it almost makes it even more unfathomable that I expected them to come back the whole time. Well, it was yeah. Not- so I'm, uh, you, as soon as the you, pick six happened,
0: you've been adamant for basically the entirety of this podcast, that the Patriots would win this game. And, you know what? I actually think you were right. The Patriots did win this game, but mm-hmm. the Patriots also lost this game. Because like <laughs> they they did, they like they did everything that everyone expected them to do. The Raiders got out, out to a big lead, they blew the lead, the Patriots came back, and you know, even like first of all, they should have won the game because when we get into the Keelan Cole play, like Keelan Cole was out of bounds on that play. Never should have counted. Who knows what happens after that? <coughs> but then clearly if that game goes to overtime, I think the Patriots probably win it anyway. So I'm not going to uh you know let you well, let, let you lose that point. You were correct. The Patriots did win this game. Sports. Unfortunately, they also lost this game. And um, there is
1: one more before we do Kalen Cole, because we're yes. that's gonna be a whole thing. The the last thing I would say on the blame list is the Patriots took over at their own 28 with three twelve left. Uh the Raiders had two timeouts left. You need a first down, and you can win the game too. And I think right. you have a chance. Now, you run to Stevenson. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, you Then you have a false start.
0: Oh, well, you have a then, false
1: start. Connor McDermott, yeah. who can we get on him yet? It's week two. He's been okay playing. But, you know, chalk it up with all of the procedural operational issues the Patriots have. You have a false start on second and seven. Turns it into second and 12. You run two yards up the middle. And then you run a naked boot for Mac Jones. And now, <laughs> now listen. I am a I proponent think- of the naked boot. I think the NFL is sorely missing the naked boot. I miss like a goofy donkey, like Peyton Manning, like lumping around the edge on a fourth and goal from the one, but on third and 10, third and 10. Yeah. There was no chance that that would do. And maybe that was a play where they were willing to punt it away. But you, why are you running a naked boot with Mac Jones in the open field against Max Crosby, who closed about 15 yards in about yeah. three seconds and had Jones running in circles. Like it, it was way too early to be running time off the clock. And they still had the time on the two minute warning. That was the biggest way, like throw it. If you're just going to do that, like risk the incompletion or throw a yeah. short completion, get it to Taquan Thornton on a one yard crosser and see if he can outrun everyone. Don't run uh, a naked boot to M- Michael McCorkle Jones.
0: I, I actually think that was probably the funniest thing of the week was like <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you saw, how much space that Mac Jones had in front of him on the naked boot. Like initially I was like, I mean, I guess I, I never thought he was going to convert because it was like, that's even though there was that much space, like that was so much because it wasn't just 10 yards at that point on a naked boot. You're running backwards and then yeah, you're adding in the corner. You've got to go right. So that was like 12 to 15 yards that Mac Jones had to pick up. And yes, there was a wide swath of field in front of him. But there was also plenty of time for any of those Raiders defenders who are faster than Mac Jones to make up that speed. I was actually very impressed that Max Crosby made up that space as quickly as he did. I wasn't. But Mac Jones just also just panicked, which I I have, I don't blame him for at all on that play, but yeah, I mean, that's where you can go back to blaming Matt Patricia the offensive play calling. And if bill Belichick says that the offensive play calling doesn't go well, blame him, then we're going to blame him as well. Because yeah, on third and 10 running a naked boot to Mac Jones, there was like a 0.1% chance of that converting.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I'm I'm guessing the goal wasn't to convert, but then hand it to Stevenson who has a chance to break a 10 yard run and win you the game. And then you can kneel it out. Like the, like there are 0% plays like you just said. And that is one of them. Whereas, can Stevenson break a 10 yard run on third and 10, 5%, 10%, 12%, whatever it may be, there's a chance. Maybe he can do it. Uh, Mac Jones was never going to do that. And, you know, unless Max Crosby tore his hamstring because he was so shocked to be in that position, even then I'm sure someone else could have, Oh, someone else is
0: going to, yeah. 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 It was,
1: uh, maybe he got a lateral it back to someone though, and then they could have converted it
0: at any point during Ramondre Stevenson's run on the draw before he pitched the ball back to Jacoby Myers, at any point did you think, oh wow, they're going to win this game on this play?
1: Because I think I I, that. I I was reading so, something.
0: It's so I was reading on, our comments. I'm sorry. On the draw play, yes. the final play. Yeah. Before the lateral, before yes. he pitched it back to Jacoby Myers, was there any point at time where where you were like Oh, wow. He's going to oh, run yeah. all the way to the end zone and score. For I did a brief too. second. For a brief yeah, second. For, it was like a very brief second. Yeah. He was fine. But, but then I, I realized, because the other thing about that draw play, not to go back to it and, and harp on too much, like the entire Raiders defense, including Matt Collins, apparently, were probably all like standing on the 10-yard line. Like the amount of things that would have had to go wrong for Ramondre Stevenson to get all the way to the goal line and score on that was was astronomical. So that goes back to the point of like, why aren't you just kneeling on the ball?
1: Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I, it, it, I, I I can't even joke. But like, did they have Ramondre on their fantasy team and they needed 20 more yards because like <laughs> right. that's that's the only people that benefited from that extra. What was it? 23 yards was yeah. fantasy football. So uh, it it was just a, a a a train wreck of a game for so many reasons. Where if they just played. Normal football, they win going away, and I mean the the, the end of the game is going to stand out. It's going to be on Sports Center for years. It's going to be like a yes. butt fumble sort of situation. Yeah, but specific to the game, the the blocked punt was horrific. I mean, you have guys looking around, not even looking. Like there's times where they give up block punts, and you're like, I need to see that again. Did that guy get right. through. Like who missed that? No one was even ready for the snap, so that's just horrific. And the the, the goal line bungling was horrific but i suppose it's time now to get to the 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 keelan cole play because you don't want to make the whole game about that but without it without the raiders tying the game then there's obviously nothing to talk about with a double lateral disaster play so that I, i think it's necessary to bring into the conversation
0: if uh, I, the Patriots really did a very good job of bailing out Walt Anderson and the NFL officials uh, by that horrendous final play and lateraling the ball. Because if they had just kneeled on the ball, if Ramondre Stevenson had just gone down, if Myers had overtime. just gone down and they're losing overtime, then everyone is blaming Walt Anderson and the officials for not overturning Keelan Cole's reception or touchdown. So, on the Keelan Cole reception, I'm going to start off with this. I, so, logically Keelan Cole did not score the touchdown. His foot was out of bounds because you would have to take a massive leap in judgment to think that the toe of his foot was not out of bounds given where the heel of his foot was in the end zone. That being said, I think that this is, you can blame camera angles. They're not being the right angle on the field, not a clearer angle for this just as much as you can, the officials, because I actually kind of agree that there wasn't a clear and crisp view of that play that decisively proved that his toe was not out of bounds or was out of bounds, whatever it was. Like, I feel like there was not that, that like smoking gun angle of it. That being said, we can all use logic and his toe was out of bounds. I just don't think that that angle actually did exist. So once I saw that that angle didn't exist, I thought, this probably is not going to get re- reversed, even though it 100% should, because his toe was out of bounds.
1: I have a question for you. Yes. Am I on drugs? Because I saw the the overhead view from behind the end zone, which I do think clearly showed a toe out of bounds. I don't I understand what you're saying. clear. I don't think,
0: foot foot I don't like think it's like always... crisp and clear in that.
1: Well, it's because it's like black shoes, black end zone. Exactly. But, no, exactly. But you can yeah. see, in Again, I, I tweeted it out with Walt Anderson's explanation that like, oh, we didn't have a, a view. And I have two views. And one was the far end zone field yep. level where his toe was out of bounds. Like, <laughs> I don't need to use any logic or imagination to see that his toe was out of bounds. And like the play I always go to in Patriots history was the Champ Bailey play in the 2005 right. playoffs when like you saw where Ben Watson hit Bailey and you saw where the ball ended up. So logically, it had to have gone through the end zone, yes. but there was no way to see it. So, I mean, that was never getting overturned. But like, I understand what you mean by the logical, but not yes. visual thing. But I think the visual was there. I, I felt like watching Jonathan Vilma be like, boy, this one's going to be really close. And Dean Blandino being like, I don't know, guys. And then the 45 minute review, I felt like I was on hallucinogens because I saw the man's toe land out of bounds. Does everyone watching the. Did I
0: lose you? No. Oh, Okay. So D- am I, I on drugs? I think Are you're on drugs. drugs. I, I, so I'm, I'm, I was pulling up your Twitter and looking at these images because i I'm, yes, I've seen this a million times. So the issue oh. though, is that this, <coughs> sorry, the, the overhead view, like, yes his toe is out of bounds logically his toe is out of bounds but visually in that, in that clip like his toe blends in unfortunately with i can the, see of, it with the white it's I, not I that hard the other one the other one
1: the the end zone far end
0: the far He's end clearly one. out of bounds i mean yes he is clearly out of bounds but i also think that there's like unfortunately, because I agree with Patriots fans, I agree with you. He was out of bounds. Unfortunately, like it should have been much clearer. Like there should have been an angle that was much, much, much clearer. And like, even though like, yes, logically, if you look at all of this, his foot was out of bounds, his toe was out of bounds, it should not have been a catch. Like there should have been a clearer angle, right?
1: Yeah. No, I agree. If it was Sunday night football, you'd probably get like a, a pylon cam. You probably get a crisper camera. Uh, so so in in reality Doug the NFL engineered this by moving it out of prime time taking all the nice cameras away and giving you the crappy 4 p.m. cameras but that is true uh, I, I just don't think that it's debatable that his foot was in, there was no black in between his toe and the white there was just his shoe on the white like it's it's black it's a black and white issue so I think the fact that they didn't overturn this and everyone's gonna you know go back to overturning Hunter Henry when his hand was under the ball there was no evidence right. of his hand disappearing from the ball is going to make Patriots fans pissed off and it's hard to say like you shouldn't be based on you watch a lot of football right and you know what it is when it's inconclusive I don't see this as inconclusive there's I understand there's times where the they don't have the angle that I, I think they had it and in the fact that they took that long it's one of those things the Hunter Henry review took forever if you have to take that long you yeah. don't have what you think you have. You're trying too right. hard to find what you think you should find. And Walt Anderson is a dirty, rotten liar. And that's not just with this. This is the man who saw Jerome Boger's playoff crew blow a whistle in a Bengals Raiders playoff game last year in the middle of a play. And then Walt Anderson told us with a straight face, the whistle blew after the touchdown was caught. He's a liar and he's full of crap. And this is the latest case of they didn't have it. They did. They had it
0: we which angle do you think is more clear do you think it's the overhead angle or the I think it's the the,
1: the field the view from the other cuz that's the one they showed immediately on the in the game broadcast and so granted it's from the other side of the field but you can see his toe flexed out of bounds like there's no imagination then the other one i think the coloring is obviously a little bit off because there's movement and it's and it's a, a camera moving at hd quality is going to have yeah. a little blur but you can see that his foot continues on. You can see the black and white line, and you can see that his foot is not done existing. His foot continues to exist all the way to the toes, and they didn't They didn't see it. There was nothing that was clear and obvious that his foot was touching the white, Walt Anderson said.
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I think that if they had done their job at the beginning, too, like as the play was happening, obviously this would have been cleared up, too, because Walt Anderson said that, if it, he had been ruled out of bounds. Yeah, but there the on field enough official, evidence for them to overturn.
1: He it. can't see that. I mean, he's doing it. I mean, it was a heck of a play. Like it was a great athletic play. I'm not gonna get on the yeah. back judge or whoever who said that was out of bounds. But again, it's like one of the, it's like a loser's lament. You're right. Had they gone on and lost the coin flip in overtime and ended up giving up a touchdown, and you know, they lose the game and right. they don't they don't get the ball back. And it's I mean, they obviously still lose in overtime, but you're still like really leaning and and pointing at that play as the 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 hinge point, but i do I do think it's worth saying that was on second down from the thirty. so right. It wasn't like a fourth down, so there still would have been third and ten from the thirty. uh they would have had a couple more chances and there were still thirty two seconds left on the clock. So for all of it, and it was a disaster from the NFL's point and not Walt Anderson's first, not his first this year. remember the Buffalo Minnesota game where yeah. Buffalo just didn't catch it and they didn't review it, and Buffalo forced overtime, and they got away with that one because Minnesota won in overtime, but this league has major issues that are basic. It feels like you and I could solve them if we worked in the in the league office, but they don't ask. They just hire Walt Anderson, uh, the man responsible for uh, to run their system, and it shows that he's not good at it and tells lies, and you just got to deal with it.
0: Do you think you would have reversed it if the game was in New England rather than Las Vegas?
1: um i don't think he would i think that affects i think the crowd affects you know on field officials naturally like a human yeah instinct. I actually went to a cool uh sloan conference on that once where someone actually did like a like a phd type study on it and wrote a book about home field advantage and the best thing they could find was the human element of like an official, you don't want to tell 80,000 people something they don't want to hear. Then they're going to start swearing right. at you. So I don't think, well, I think being in New York insulates them from that, but I, I I don't know. You could get in and it's in Las Vegas and the league obviously is tied to gambling. So people are going to come up with all these conspiracy theories. I honestly, I know for a fact that the NFL is not coordinated enough to pull off any sort of, conspiracy that you could cook up with the point spread in the total and whatever the money might be. They are not coordinated enough to do that. They can't even tie their own shoes and you want them to have this massive, you know, gambling conspiracy. I can't do that, but that's what happens when you don't have consistency, when you don't have honesty, when you don't have transparency and when you get BS explanations after the game, it's going to lead to people, you know, being creative with their minds. And I think it hurts the product. We keep coming back because we're idiots, but I, I think it does hurt the product.
0: So I am I, I, I'm I'm going to stick with my with my opinion that logically, unless Keelan Cole has the shoe size of like a toddler, then it's obvious that his foot was out of bounds. I still think that in that situation, there should be a clearer angle of that play that doesn't involve an overhead shot that looks like it was shot from like I don't know, the like the Eiffel Tower at Hard Rock Casino, whatever the casino is that has an Eiffel Tower, or from the opposite end zone. Like there should have been a much clearer view of that because if there had been, it would have been reversed. Um, but yeah. I just want
1: to I just want to add, Doug, um, in my opinion, Keelan yes. Cole has adult sized feet. That's just I, my in, opinion. I, I That's agree just my as opinion. Well.
0: I agree. I don't as know well. what to tell you. I also think he got lucky with wearing those specific shoes. And I don't think that was a plan heading into the game, but no specifically wearing shoes that have a white toe on them. Um, maybe, maybe more players should do that. Actually. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe, maybe, maybe like green,
1: there. green to a certain point and then white. Green but to then a certain That, that would have hurt green, him there. That's when you get to like the 30 or in, you got to change to the black and white. Yeah. If you the end zones black, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to at least harp on that. I obviously, when you, pooped the game away it doesn't matter as much but that was a bad one I mean Walt Uh, Anderson is is he's added to the
0: list we we talked a little bit about uh what Bill Belichick said after the game but I did want to talk about someone asked him if they thought about doing a Hail Mary and he said that you couldn't throw it that far
1: far. they're on their own 45 right
0: yeah I mean I don't think they should have thrown a Hail Mary there like I, I don't I can understand the question. I think that another, like the follow-up question, would have been like, "Did you think about kneeling the ball down?" I don't think that, like a hail mary, would have been r- the right play there. But I also like the the excuse of we couldn't throw it that far is kind of a strange one. I feel like
1: there's also this, Douglas. You don't need to throw a hail mary when you're tied. It's not necessary. Well, that's what
0: I'm saying. Like that's why I don't <laughs> like, think it should have even been a consideration.
1: Like you see it sometimes that's... before halftime, uh, just taking a shot, trying to score. Worst case scenario, you get to give up an interception that hurts the stats. But um,
0: can Mac not throw it 60 yards? I mean, he can. Like, I think that Jeff Howe tweeted out that when he was at Alabama, he did it before. Yeah. I think that um, uh, someone else tweeted that he had done it multiple times at Alabama. So mm. I don't know that, like, it was just a strange response from Bill to say, like, we couldn't throw it that far when. I feel like the more logical answer there is, like, why would we throw a Hail Mary when we were tied at midfield?
1: Yeah, yeah no, it wasn't a a, a a very productive Bill Belichick press conference. It was one where you get, we've made too many mistakes. We made too many mistakes. We made too many mistakes. Well, we made yeah. too many mistakes. So uh maybe tomorrow morning at 730, he'll be a little bit more, uh have some more explanations for us. But I don't know. Again, I, I think. It's similar to when Bill was asked, you know, did you say specifically not to lateral the play? He probably was like, well, I don't need to say that. I was like, did you right. consider a Hail Mary? He was probably like, no, I didn't consider a Hail Mary because it was 24-24 with three seconds left in the game. There was no reason to. So I, I just think it's it uh, for as much as we get on like coaching on that play. I just feel like two guys made the worst football decisions of their lives.
0: Yeah, no, it was, they, they were much more to blame for it than the, like the decision to call a draw rather than a kneel down or the decision to call a draw rather than a Hail Mary. But no, I don't think a Hail Mary should have been in the consideration there. Um, Did you want to talk at all about the Patriots defense? Because Patriots defense was good in this game. If we're doing like silver linings, I know it's, it's tough to do that after a game like this, but I mean, Kyle Duggar made a great play. Marcus Jones covered Devontae Adams really well in this game. Yep. He saw more pressure from Josh Uche from the interior defense. Um, clearly, they didn't come up when it mattered at the end there. But overall, I do look at this as being a positive performance by the Patriots defense.
1: Yeah, and I think it was like your stereotypical complimentary football. I think the the pass rush wasn't just Matt Judon. In fact, I don't think Matt Judon really impacted the game that no, much. He didn't. Uh, you had Uche in kind of the pass rush role. And then you had a lot of interior pressure with the big boys. I know Guy, uh, Godshaw, Barmore was back. They all they each mm-hmm. had a half a sack. Um, who had the the individual sack? Uh, Juwan blanking. Bentley. Bentley had a sack. Raquan McMillan uh, burst up the middle at one point and, and flushed yep. Carr from the pocket. So they did a good job of of giving him very little amount of time. In the times where Carr did kind of sit there, there was one where he was you know pointing and directing. It looked like the play was blown dead, um, kind of like Tom Brady back in the day, where he was just statuing. But uh, the, the back end held up. I think going into this game when Mills was ruled out, uh, you kind of had to have some some worry given how good. They, and granted, they gave up that touchdown where uh, Hollins was wide open. That wasn't great. Um, was it hot with the Hollins touchdown? That, or yeah, the, the second Raiders touchdown was not great. Yeah. After the blocked punt. But I mean, other than that, I mean, even Jonathan Jones, I think did a, did a good job. Uh, he, he got beat once. It was a. Excuse me, as I have some uh, post Patriots uh, indigestion. It's it's it
0: happens.
1: (laughs) But did you notice on that play uh, the deep shot to Hollins that was just off his fingertips? It was one of the best, like one of the best push offs I've seen since like Randy Moss. I'm not putting (laughs) him in Randy Moss, but like you'll never get called for that. It was so good. It was like right in the break, and it got him like four yards of separation. I thought that was uh, a pretty good play by him. So I don't I don't really. Blame Jones for getting beaten on that one. So, um I got a lot going on right now, Doug. I'm sorry. I, I had some Girl Scout cookies before we started. And it's all it's all
0: moving around. They, there were some really weird plays offensively for the Raiders in that game. Beyond just the play where Darren Waller broke a pass intended for Devontae Adams, a play late in the game. I think it was on that final drive um where it was it looked like Mac Collins like lost the ball and the lights or like, didn't know where the ball was. You couldn't track the mm. ball, but like him and Jonathan Jones, like you rarely see a defender and a wide receiver coming at the ball from such completely separate angles that like, it felt like despite the fact that the Raiders won this game, a game that they shouldn't have won, like something about their passing attack was just like, broken in this game and I think some of it was a good pass rush it was a good um you know pass defense by the Patriots despite the fact that as you mentioned Jalen Mills Jack Jones out of the game but just overall I would have expected a, a more crisp operation from Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr and that entire Raiders passing attack
1: then you haven't been watching the Las Vegas no, Raiders in 2022 like that the
0: offense hasn't been as bad as the defense though this season
1: yeah I just when in terms of crisp ex- execution I wasn't really expecting I was expecting them to try to ride Josh Jacobs, who they did a decent job against he finished with uh 93 yards, yards yeah yeah 93 and 22 like he was good but they yeah. they contained him I think the defense played really well it just was and, and I, I don't even know that like it's not as if they got beaten on that last drive it's that they played 20 yards off and they gave right. up those chunk plays that that shortened the field and, and allowed the 30 yard touchdown to be scored and again I, I want to reiterate uh, for as much as Keelan Cole's foot was out of bounds, they would have had two more shots to either right. get ten yards and keep the game going. You know, they would have had a rush, or you know, get throw it back in the end zone with with Devontae Adams or, or Hunter Renfro. Like, the, like they had more options because of how poorly that that defensive series was coached. So, um, I'm gonna rewatch it that last drive and see if I'm wrong about that. But it just felt like in real time, they were give they were giving them that, which seems. When you can win the game with one play on 4th and 10, why do you not try to win the game?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Patriots did a good job limiting Hunter Renfro. Only one catch for 14 yards. He was a little bit limited in this game. But I was pretty shocked after what happened with Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson that the Patriots limited uh, Devontae Adams as much as they did in this game. It seems like... <coughs> Excuse me again? Poor Doug. I know. Poor I'm Doug. still dying over here. Um don't you think, though,
1: that the Raiders kind of do a good job of limiting Devonte Adams a lot?
0: Well, not. I mean, like they did early in the season. They certainly did against the Saints back in, what was that, like week 10 week 9, whatever yeah, like it was. Targets but like, but like Devontae Adams has had, he's also had like massive games this season. I think that uh, Fox ran a stat that Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs are the only running back wide receiver duo with 1200 yards and i think it was like over 11 touchdowns through what is it now it was through 14 games to a season 13 games whatever it was so like Devonte adams was two games removed from eight eight catches, 177 yards. He's had games with 141 yards, 101 yards, 124 yards, 146, 126, 141, 177, another 95 thrown in there. Um, In his past one, two, three, four, five, six games, he had not gone for under 70 yards. So, yeah, there's definitely those games like in week eight against the Saints where he was limited to one catch for three yards, uh, two games early in the season when he had 12 yards and 36 yards. But, like, overall this season – Despite some of those off games, Devonte Adams has been Devonte Adams this season.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And Marcus Jones covering him well right off the bat was probably huge for the entire defense. Like if he gets burned early and gives up a huge catch and run, who knows? You know what they have to mix up and change there. So, I mean, that's nothing to 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 poo poo as much as I was poo pooing it a minute ago. Like you got a rookie corner out there covering a guy pretty well. That's 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 something. So th- I think there were positives in this game, and, and that's certainly one of them.
0: I think that Marcus Jones in general, he's now played, he played well against uh, DeAndre Hopkins, played well against Devontae Adams. Like, I don't know how many like really solid outside cornerbacks there have been who are five, eight, like, like Daryl green is like one of the only ones that comes to mind for me. Like back in the day, maybe like he wasn't as good as Daryl green, but like Tyrone Poole was another like really short cornerback who played well, but like, I, I joked even before that during that Bills game of like Marcus Jones trying to cover cover Gabe Davis that that was like a matchup that the bills should have been able to exploit. We've now seen this like multiple weeks in a row of Marcus Jones covering wide receivers who are like five six, seven inches taller than him and not being able to get it done. So I don't know specifically what it is about Marcus Jones. I think it certainly helps that he is incredibly fast, but he just seems like a guy, a short cornerback who can hang with big wide receivers for some reason.
1: Yeah, and he's obviously a little more understated than Jack Jones, uh, who (laughs) obviously covered, uh, (laughs) had the pick six against Aaron Rodgers and let everyone know that you're not allowed to throw outs against him. Marcus is a little bit more your typical rookie, you know, in front of the media and whatnot. Who knows what he's like in real life? Um, But he's 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 handled it, and and he wasn't really a part of the defense until he had to be, and he's done a good job. That he wasn't even a part of special teams to start the year because. Could they have returning punt? Miles Miles Bryant. Bryant to start the year? Not a good decision, but it shows that he hadn't won the job. So he's had a pretty, a pretty steady rise uh, going up. I did want to ask you about another moment. What'd you thought about this? It was the play, the the long completion of Nelson Aguilar when he was, he was obviously out of bounds. Um, And did they, do you think the Patriots substituted? I need to rewatch because the, the way the officials stood in the way and didn't let them snap the ball for 15, 20 seconds, it, the mechanism looked to be in place as though they had substituted, but the way Bill Belichick reacted to the line judge there and just basically chewed him out for 30 minutes felt like they didn't substitute. So I am I found that a little bit curious.
0: Yeah, that was strange that they, they blocked him from the snap. I'll have to go back and watch that. I think that based on Bill Belichick's reaction, <coughs> they probably didn't substitute in that situation, but yeah, I'd have to look back at that. There was the other play where it looked like Tyquan Thornton, caught a pass on the sideline.
1: The toes were down, but then the heels came out of bounds, which is the dumbest rule. Right. So if your toes are inbounds and you fall, it's a catch. But if your toes are inbound and then your heels come down out of bounds, you're out of bounds, which is like, well, how come the toes are enough when it's just the
0: toes? I don't I don't
1: know. But that that was in line at least we know that. Yeah. Right.
0: So but yeah, I mean it's possible that they could have potentially challenged that it probably wouldn't have been reversed. Um one Mac more thing but
1: one more thing before we get to Mac um because yeah. we're not a Matt Patricia bashing podcast <laughs> I do want to say Ramondre Stevenson had two receptions for negative 4 yards um was it was not good the 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 pass the the short passing game remains questionable
0: Well yeah I mean it, there was a point in the game where Mac Jones was averaging less than 3 yards per passing attempt and if you took out his three longest passes it was less than 1 yard per passing attempt like it was, it was pretty tremendously awful. How bad Mac Jones was playing, and how bad the the play calling was, up until uh, the Patriots were able to turn the game around with that Kyle Duggar interception. But
1: I didn't you want to wanted go to go back. to Mac Jones. I derailed you.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there was it was early in the game. It was during that goal line stand, I think, where Mac Jones was screaming at someone multiple times again, and I'm just. I, I'm still kind of flabbergasted by the fact that the Patriots have no problem with this happening. I couldn't tell in those situations who he was mad at, whether he was mad at Nelson Aguilar uh, for not making that catch, whether he was mad at Matt Patricia, whether he was mad at Joe Judge, Bill Belichick, whoever it was. But I don't know. I mean, that was a tough situation that Mac Jones did not play well in this game because, like, if you're playing as poorly as he did, if you're missing as many throws as you have as he was. Like, I don't think in those situations you can be yelling at people that much.
1: Yeah. And I I think I said to you, uh, what's today, Sunday? I said to you on Thursday night, that whole storyline just kind of doesn't do it for me. The whole what's what's Mac is Mac should be yelling. Like, I just feel like it's all like sports talk radio is filled with it all day. And it's kind of like, I don't really care. And then I saw that, and I'm like, well, "What the hell is this guy yelling about?" I know. And so, like, maybe, maybe you know, they were right to be on that ahead of time, and and I was, you know, late to the game. But that was coming out of a timeout. You run a stupid slant to Agalor, who's covered, and it's a complete. And I I don't know what he was yelling at. I, I he was pointing and gesturing. It looked like at Agalor, but like, I don't know if Mac is in position to be like aggressively telling Agalor that he ran his route wrong on a third and one slant. It feels like a pretty basic one-on-one play. I don't I know it's not like it's not like an advanced concept was was at work there. So I I found that one a bit baffling And, and like you said, he wasn't really playing well to to back up any sort of, you know, whatever you want to call that.
0: It's also a situation where we talked about this on Thursday, but like, or maybe it was the week before. It's a strange, um, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, whatever it is, but like with Mac Jones screaming on the field and showing all this emotion. And seemingly blaming people who are not himself. But then 10 minutes after the game, when he's talking to the media, he's like the most humble guy in the world and like blaming himself for all the mistakes and praising everyone around him. It's like, I don't know. Like once again, I I agree with you that it's like sports talk radio fodder to get too deeply into it or whatever. But I also think that like, you kind of have to pick one way or the other to act and you can't really play that humble game after the game and say like, No, it was all on me. Teammates did a great job. Coaches did a great job. If like very, very clearly in the moment, you do not feel that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, at least in the Buffalo game, he came out and said what he was yelling at when it was obviously something that he couldn't avoid. But he could have easily said, you know, I was just frustrated in the moment. But instead, he was like, well, I want to throw the ball downfield more. So, I mean, there's there's definitely something at play there. I'm not saying it's a non-story. It's just all of the hyper analysis of like football players sometimes yell like i I don't need to i don't know if you saw cj mosley after they the jets gave up that 50 yard pass on fourth and one to the Lions today taking his helmet and double hand slamming it on the bench like football players play with a lot of passion and so like that's that's just a part of it that that's why i kind of downplayed some of it but i don't know i'm interested to see doug where they go from here because they have a short week they're playing a bet, not to push the whole conversation forward, but I guess. No, you, I think it's fair. Probably because they have a short week. They have the Bengals coming in. The Bengals who were down 17 to three themselves today and ended up winning by double digits. I want to say in Tampa um, now coming in on a short week, they're feeling good about themselves. The the Bengals are back to being the Bengals. And now the Patriots, the, the impact of this loss, they're out of the playoff picture at seven and seven. They're behind yeah. Miami who they could have, you know, they could have stayed in that picture. They're behind the chargers. They're, they're still above the Jets on the tiebreaker, but it's not going to matter because you lost this game, you lost to an AFC team, and now you're in a position where you have to beat the Bengals, where, yeah, anything could happen. But again, look at today, Doug. I said it before. This team isn't good enough to win without a defensive score or a special yeah, team score, and yeah. they got it. and They needed it, and it's like you can't live that way and be a playoff team. You're just not good enough.
0: I think ultimately, like fortunately for Patriots fans, it doesn't really matter if they make the playoffs or not because like they would lose, they would lose in the first round of the playoffs. in Kansas city. Like, yeah. Or like, yeah, And like, even if somehow they, <laughs> it's still it's dying sad here, watching sorry. this happen. Like <clears> I, I know, can watch it in
1: your face and it's just like, hink, hink, um,
0: hink even if they somehow like won the first round like this team isn't winning a super bowl this team clearly is not good enough the coaching isn't good enough the offense isn't good enough the quarterback at this point isn't good enough like the defense probably isn't good enough against an actually good team so like the storyline of them making the playoffs would have been fun and it would have like prolonged the season one more week and done all that stuff but like ultimately it doesn't matter because like even if they had won this game, then what they probably would have made the playoffs if they had won this game.
1: Right. Well, I have a counterpoint to you because what if the impact is on the coaching staff? What if this team ended up right. winning 10 games, making the playoffs, getting routed in Kansas city? And like, well, that's I mean, the Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what you really wants to do. they Patrick Mahomes? Like, what if that's okay? The and then they, they roll it back next year. Like, I, I don't know that that's out of the realm of possibility considering this is the coaching staff they went into this year with. Whereas if you, Poop away a game in Las Vegas, lose to the Bengals, and then lose to Miami, and the season goes down the the drain. Maybe that forces, you know, some sort of whether it's from Kraft, whether it's from Belichick right. himself, uh, just looking at the situation, maybe if they make the playoffs, they can convince themselves that this situation is good enough to to carry forward. Yeah, I don't know, yep. but it's believable, it's plausible based on this season existing in the first place.
0: What have you made of all of the Gerard Mayo reporting in recent days and weeks that's come out of NBC Sports Boston with Tom Curran, Phil Perry, Albert Breer of that Gerard Mayo is likely gone after the season. This is the final year of his contract. He's probably going to take a defensive coordinator position somewhere else. Um, I think uh, Breer reported today that um, he'd probably want to stay close to New England because he'd probably keep his family here and commute to be Mm. a defensive coordinator somewhere else i mean first of all like it's it's not hard to figure out where a lot of this is coming from i I don't like playing that game but like second of all though i don't know like is this i I don't know i I hate getting into the the, like let's say is is, bill belichick like gonna get fired? all that stuff like it all seems like insane it all seems like craziness but i also feel like for Robert Kraft, like the last thing that he's going to want to see next season is for Matt Patricia to be the offensive coordinator. And all like, I like, I feel like something really though.
1: Cause they, the crafts apparently love him.
0: <laughs> Who reported that?
1: That was in, I don't know. One of the books. They oh, love them.
0: Like, I love lose Matt... track of the books. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like it, it does feel like it, like it's been enough years now at this point of them faltering the post Tom Brady era has not gone well I don't think the solution is to fire Bill Belichick I still think he's a better head coach than 90% of other head coaches and Gerard Mayo is still so unproven at this point that I don't think you could like name him the head coach and fire Bill Belichick or do anything like that but I mean I don't think it's a great situation to be potentially losing Gerard Mayo if he's thought of highly enough in the NFL to be a head coach soon one day
1: especially with the recent history being losing good coaches and just not replacing them which i think is negligent and i don't know so say he goes does does patricia go back to defense next year and work with steve like i think that's the reason he's not on defense because working under steve belichick would be kind of weird considering he ran the defense when steve was an assistant but you know it's not surprising at all i mean the fact that they you know aren't giving the coordinator titles the fact that was it last week, the Arizona game at the end of the Monday Night Football Brackets? They're like in Bill Belichick's defense, Steve Belichick's defense gets the big. And it's just like, that's all of that is like a fact. I mean, if you're a former NFL linebacker who has the respect and, you know, admiration of your players and your former teammates and everyone, and it's you're just not I'm not saying like Jrod was like, when I want credit. But I think naturally you're like, well, this is not the situation where I can flourish. Right. So, if he does leave, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But I would say that if he does leave, they should replace him and And I'm not sure that they will based on the the most recent the most recent treatment of such a situation.
0: I think that if he did leave, he'd probably just have a situation where at that point you I think you would have to name Steve Belichick like the defensive coordinator because there's no like there's no like game being played there at that point. And yeah. I will say that at least there's more defensive coaches who have risen up through the ranks in a typical Patriots fashion on the defensive side of the ball, than they're on there. There are on offense now at this point where like, I don't know, like Brian Belichick and Mike Pellegrino and yeah. DeMarcus well, Covington. Like, yeah, those guys could kind of like rise up a little bit. I'm not sure if they're ready yet. And like, it's, it's strange for me because like Mike Pellegrino was like 24 years old and like a lacrosse player when he first joined the Patriots staff. So it's like, it's odd to be thinking about him as someone who's like rising up through the ranks, but like, at least, I don't know. I don't know what would happen there, but yeah, I did want to at least discuss that. We will definitely get out of here very soon. I did want to bring up a non secondary before we before we leave. Okay. Uh, in yesterday's games, on the Saturday games, yeah, Mark Sanchez was one of the color commentators. Oh my god, Doug! I don't think like I don't think you're doing anyone any favors by Mark Sanchez being an NFL color commentator. He needs to be working in college. I know his college career wasn't like this fantastic thing either, but like at least he was a good college football player. I don't think that you can have a bad NFL player be a color commentator because it creates an awkward situation when he has to like be critical of anyone on the field because as a viewer you're thinking like, What the hell is Mark Sanchez going to say about this? Like, how can he be critical in this situation? He's not great at it anyway, which obviously doesn't help. But like, I don't like, why is he working NFL games? And is there another even, is there another example of an NFL quarterback who was bad doing what he's doing as a color commentator?
1: Probably. Yeah, we could probably come up with a few. I mean, I think Dan Orlovsky has overcome it in a big way. No, no, he's not doing games.
0: True, but that's fair. I think, by, yeah. with a little humility yeah.
1: about running out of the end zone right. and a clear like passion and homework, he has overcome right. the perception of him as a player. Um, maybe even like not in commentary, like Kevin O'Connell or uh, yeah, Cliff coaches, Kingsbury. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, I think you can overcome it because ultimately, if you're the worst NFL quarterback, you're still better than ninety nine point nine percent of the right. people who ever play. But Doug the bills ran the ball in the final minute of the game. And Devin Singletary smartly went down at the two yard line so that Miami would not get the ball back with the minute and Tyree kill in the field so that they could run the clock down. And yes, it was snowing, but it was not a blizzard. They could clearly kick a field goal from the inside the five yard line. And he went down and Mark Sanchez was like, Whoa, what's he doing? I don't know about that. That seems he went, Oh, I don't know. I don't. It's like Mark. They're going to kick a, a chip shot field goal yeah. and win the game. And at worst, they won't lose and they'll play right. for overtime unless they start a lateral play. Uh, but I think that was to me. In like five minutes earlier, he was talking. Josh Allen threw like just a pass over the middle. It's like, this guy's IQ is off the charts. His Madden awareness rating must be 98 or 99. Look at him here. And it's like, no, Mark, I think yours is just 40 to 45. And you're just <laughs> overly, I mean, Josh Allen's incredible. But in that specific instance, what he was talking about it was just a quarterback like throwing a five yard out. It was, yeah. it was not a good show. I mean, he's someone I only hear like on Red Zone popping right. in for like Fox's fifth game of the week. Yeah. So I, I, that was the first like full on game I probably watched.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't an impressive performance. I guess like David Carr is like a studio host type of guy or a studio analyst. As you mentioned, Dan Orlovsky is. And like, like Lewis Reddick obviously wasn't like the greatest player or anything like that. But like, yeah. Hey, how about know. Scott
1: Zolak? I mean, he's pretty good at his job and he wasn't a, a great NFL quarterback. Um, we should, I should hold myself accountable here the way that, you know, Ramon Stevenson, Jacoby Myers, and Mac Jones did in that I was big on the Bills winning by a thousand because of the weather uh, and the temperature. The Dolphins looked fine in the cold. Yeah. I think the Bills, the Bills were just better. The Bills are doing that thing where they do enough to win. Um, so hand up. Not only yep. was I wrong about that but that shapes my New Year's Day expectations for the Patriots. Had they still won this game Ooh, and still true. had it all in front of them. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think the Dolphins will come up here and wilt like I expected. So and yeah. up, I was wrong. I was, that was a fun couple of days for me though, with the heater story. It was fun. You got to have fun it's- sometimes.
0: I think the, the end of the season is going to be pretty ugly for the Patriots, and we'll get into that in uh, this week's show on Thursday whenever we are going to record it. But yeah, I think it's going to be ugly against the Bengals. I think it's going to be ugly against the Dolphins. I think it's going to be ugly against the Bills. Um, and But I guess we'll see how that all goes. Uh, real quick, uh, studs and duds, dudes and duds, um, ups and downs, whatever it is. Uh, like really, really quick, my down would be Mac Jones. I think that he played much poorly, much more poorly in this game than he had in previous weeks. And for my up, I'm going to go with Marcus Jones just because he did handle Devontae Adams well. And he should not have been charged with the touchdown against Keelan Cole because I don't think that was a touchdown, logically. Logically, but logically. visually.
1: Visually, um, it's funny. My ups would be Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers, and my downs would be Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers. <laughs> I just think they were – I mean, the only offensive touchdown was a deep shot to Myers and then yeah. a 39-yard run by by Stevenson, and they were just carrying the offense, yeah. and then they just threw it away. So I think that's kind of cool. I would also mention, again, all these things don't matter as much because they lost, and the playoff hunt is, like, crushed. But Nick Folk being able to kick a 51-yarder uh, was big after a 54 yeah. yarder on Monday, uh, where you know his leg had come into question. I think Kyle Duggar was awesome, not just the pick six. Yep. there was a play out to the left side, and some poor running back was sent out to block for him, and Duggar just threw him five yards. It was, it was just one of those tough to watch things, but that I mean, we covered most of the other things, and, and it's important, Doug, that we we criticize the offensive operational functionality with Matt Patricia, and then we blame bill belichick like he us.
0: right name. yes yes did you because, want to get to any of the comments in the youtube um we could there's quite a few of them did any of them stand out to you um uh, i mean I,
1: I think josh briggs saying i'll do respect but this goes to coaching it's a bad decision by individual players but they shouldn't have been in the situation and, and i i i actually don't know and i'm not saying like no you're wrong i just don't know how much you have to tell guys before a play like that i don't know how much you I have know. to like Like, do you have to coach? Like, don't throw the ball to the other team. I think
0: it goes back to like discipline and like holding players accountable and like because like there there's a reason why the Patriots didn't used to do this stuff. And like you said, I don't think it's like I don't think it was like Tom Brady holding them accountable. I think that it was a factor.
1: It was a factor when you when your alpha was that demanding and that good. Like you saw the him turn the Bucks into winners. So I'm not discounting his impact, but it's not everything. It's not he wasn't coaching the defense.
0: And I think it is just like going over these situations ad nauseum. Like, and I don't know. I mean, I think it was just like insane that that was their reaction on that play to lateral it back. But I think that like there should have been some, like, I would say that maybe what should have happened before that play is for Matt Patricia or Bill Belichick or Joe Judge or whoever it was to say, like, our priority here is to not turn the ball over. Like, no matter what you do, you cannot put the ball in harm's way. You cannot turn the ball over. So, like, maybe you don't need to explicitly say, like, don't lateral the ball back, don't throw the ball across the field uh, to Chandler Jones. But, like, maybe if they had said before that play, like, protect the ball with your life, then maybe that doesn't happen.
1: Maybe. I'm sorry. (laughs) I read another comment and I couldn't stop from laughing. Uh, The question comes from Christian Aranda, and it's a simple one. It says, has Doug ever seen a shoe? <laughs> and you know I think Goodbye. I think it's a fair
0: question.
1: Um uh the answer is no, uh not a shoe. No, guy. not I've never seen a shoe. I words. walk
0: around uh uh barefoot. I was gonna say in boots, but I think boots are technically a shoe. Um yeah, I, I made some enemies, I think. By uh no, I get it.
1: Those... No, I, I get it. I get it what it was you're blurry, saying.
0: like the clips are blurry, and like, yes, you have to use your imagination. I don't know. I I, I don't want to go back on this a million times, but like I think that with every single clip you have to use logic to say his foot was out of bounds. I don't think it was a a like cl- mm. crystal clear mm. 10 1920 by 1080 clip of his foot being out of bounds,
1: but I think you've never seen a shoe without <laughs> without some line of end zone in between. It's insane to not overturn that. But that is that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean there's a lot of um what do you think about this one? Uh John Heavey, Heavy Heavy Heavy? Yes. P A V. Uh, legitimately curious if Bill has enough humility in him to admit at the end of the season Patricia has set this team back. I find it hard to believe they're in this situation, like I mentioned earlier. So I don't know way, like what, what will be the fallout of this because I just want to bring it up before you know I just talk out of my 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 took us but 25th in yards they were what one for 10 on third down today so they're 27th in that they're 32nd in red zone they're 25th in goal to go they're not scoring when they need to score I think all of us can point to it as the coaching does so I think
0: that this goes back to something I said earlier and we should probably get going soon but Doug wants to go to bed no, I'm I'm good. I feel bad for you. Um, because you're gonna be up at 7 30 in the morning talking to Bill Belichick. Right here. And, and I'm not. Uh but no, Bill Bill Mike Hurley, Pat's Chat Podcast. Um, but I think that like if there had been some improvement, if there had been like if Mac Jones and continued to progress in this game, which I fully expected him to, and I feel like a goddamn idiot. For thinking that Mac Jones was gonna like light up the Raiders defense. All logic pointed to it. He had been much better in the last three games. Raiders' defense sucks, but it wasn't in the cards. I think that if there had been some improvement or if there had been some improvement, like maybe not like execution-wise, but just like like procedurally on in the offense of like getting the play-in on time, then like, yeah, maybe you see how Patricia and Judge can do for a second season. But the fact that they're just still making so many mistakes at this point. You can't like, I don't know what the solution is. And like, everyone brings up like, Oh, what if they bring in like Frank Reich? It's like, I mean, yeah, what if they do, but there's no yeah. evidence that would possibly point to bill Belichick going to this, like completely different play caller at this point. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Cause I, I don't think it's going to be someone like that. And the only guys with experience in the system that they run would be like Bill O'Brien or Adam Gase or someone like that. And I'm—I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm convinced that they are going to bring in Bill uh, Bill O'Brien. I, and to that point also, like, does Bill O'Brien want to get into this situation? Because like, I don't think Matt Patricia is going to be fired after this season. Like, do you think that that's a possibility? Like, he's probably no, going to have some to other reassigned. job
1: on staff, right? He's still the football advisor. Right. But put it this way, like, we can dissect all sorts of things: the red zone, the play calling, the play design. Some of the play designs are god awful but i think just generally speaking if you're whether you're ownership whether you're just looking at it from a like as basic a perspective as you can mac jones has now played and started in 11 games and he has seven touchdowns right he has seven touchdowns i mean you're yeah. talking cam newton had eight but at least he ran for what did he run for that year i don't even 12 remember. i think something like uh, that 12 so at least there was you know that uh it's yeah. just to to let's say they get through this season and they have three games left and he throws three more you're talking about 10 touchdowns in right. 14 games that's it's it's maybe mac isn't a great nfl quarterback maybe his ceiling is sub kirk cousins like if cousins was supposed to be the ceiling maybe it's i don't i don't know i'm not going to tell you i know and i learned less this year than i knew last year yeah but when you spend a first round pick and invest in that guy and build an offense and bring in receivers and have them working with all them the idea is to nurture a situation for him to be able to improve and they just haven't done that. So if you do that a second year, you're almost guaranteeing another wasted year. I don't I don't know how you could go into next year with the same plan given just the results, just the the plain black and white results.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's any possible way to explain why Matt Patricia should be the play caller next season. Like even if you even if you switch quarterbacks, like uh, what would even be the other option, like going to Bailey Zappi, or like the the whole like Tom Brady thing? But like Tom Brady's not gonna work with Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator. I'm not even Is Tom sure Brady like-
1: done. By the way, you think Tom Brady's cooked? I, I feel like he's. he's uh, it's just not like even just like anecdotally, it was must see TV. Like if I was covering the Patriots, I would have the the Bucks up on a laptop. Still, I didn't even watch it right. because it's just like it's just over. I don't know. Maybe I mean he's still physically okay, yeah. but anyways, that's. Like,
0: that's- I- <laughs> I think he's kind of like out on this team, which I don't really blame him about. But like, they're also almost certainly going to make the playoffs, right? So it's kind of strange to say that. But I think that he's like, I think he's already playing for next season at this point. I think he's going to keep playing. But like, I think he's just out on this team. He knows it's bad. He knows the coaching's bad. He knows his teammates are bad. So like, I think he's just kind of working for next season. But um, the Patriots god i mean what do you think about the whole like tom brady sean payton thing
1: again i'm with you on the like shipping bill belichick out the door seems insane as as bad as this yeah. year is and has been i think what i think he has too many roles at this point of his career and it's not like right. the way you'd criticize him and being like he's not all in but like he's 70 years old right and he's you know managed to carve out a couple months of the year that he wants to live a life. Maybe he needs a, a Casario type. And and I don't know that Mac Rowe is that guy. He doesn't seem like that guy. He seems like a guy who's there to kind of fill the role. Uh, maybe he needs someone who can handle personnel and right. can use some more like an assistant head coach. I don't know. I'm not saying he doesn't know what's going on in the sideline like some coaches might. I just think there's a lot of roles being put on a guy who's not 45 and right. that's a fact so maybe I, I i'm not of the mind of like just forcing him out and blowing it all up i think that's a bit rash but i think some adjustments and changes do need to be made if he wants to get to that record in new england
0: yeah like bring in like bring back like a Peoli or like a Dimitrov or something to help him out in like personnel or like i don't know what the other options i mean john robinson is available like bring him back to do something uh, yeah i think that You need to hire more help on offense, possibly in the scouting department as well, because they've just lost like way too many people on both ends in recent years. But all right, I'm going to shut this down. We've got a lot to talk about uh, on our show on Thursday night, getting into the game against the Bengals. We're still kind of unsure about when we're going to actually tape that post Bengals episode, probably the Monday morning after Christmas, but that's not for you guys to know. That's for us maybe
1: like Christmas morning with our kids around, just yes chat chatting up, chatting up the pats.
0: And I'll still be uh coughing my lungs out because apparently I'm just never going to get over whatever illness this is. Do you you like my Jingle
1: Bell Rock sweatshirt?
0: Oh yeah. It's what is is it the rock?
1: Yeah it's the rock. That's all I got a keyboard on my lap. You can imagine it was pretty good.
0: I had to do my entire setup down here to uh, to get the whole Christmas tree in the background and not look like him in some dungeon, but all right. So subscribe to the Pat's chat podcast on Apple, Spotify. Those links are in the description below. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're not, then you've already done that. Uh, Make sure to leave reviews, ratings, subscribe, do all of that stuff. Uh, so that we know that you like the show. If you don't like the show, tell us why you don't like the show. And we probably won't make any changes, but we'll at least t- keep it in mind. It's good to see some reviews there. Uh, hey, I want to I I say yes. thanks
1: to everyone that has listened and is listening. Oh, yeah. I think that's cool. Like
0: it is I've cool. never
1: really done it before. So anyone, you're in on the ground floor, that's it's much true. appreciated. And theoretically, unlike Mac Jones in year two, we will improve as as it goes on, I hope. <laughs>
0: possibly I we, we might be taking like the same trajectory where we're like kind of get worse and then maybe improve but uh, but we're not a Matt
1: Patricia this. podcast so that's no really
0: that's it. important I, I think we proved <laughs> that today we didn't talk about him at all right I don't think uh, so I don't, I, didn't, I don't remember it well follow Mike on Twitter at Michael F Hurley follow me on Twitter at Doug kide and we will see you guys or talk to you guys again on Thursday night into Friday morning to talk about that Bengals game on Christmas Eve